I am, uh, I'm honestly nervous after that introduction. Thank you. It is, um, it's, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to speak um, just for a few moments into the, um, the emerging generation of church leaders. What, what's gonna happen in this room, in your heart and through your life is indescribably more important than what you know at this moment. The capacity and the potential to reach people all over the nation and even the world as a result of what the work of the Spirit of God does in this room in these two days, it is, um, it's at the top of the list of the most significant and important investments that I'll make. I feel an incredible burden to, um, to get it right. I feel a responsibility and I feel a divine potential that there are those of you that you have no idea what is inside of you. You have no idea the faith that God will draw out of you. You have no idea the capacity that you will develop to endure the pain that is ahead of you on the road to God's destiny, not just for you, because it's not just about you, but about all the people that you will reach. We're not building churches, we're filling heaven. Why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat and um, I'm gonna do the best I can to bring a word that will be encouragement to you. Uh, Pastor Chris, that was, that was really moving to me and the, uh, the weight, the responsibility that we all feel is real. Um, how many of you believe that we get to be in the room with these people doing what we're doing? It's incredibly special, incredibly special, what an honor. Uh, for those of you that maybe are um, looking for a tribe, welcome home, welcome to the family. You don't need to look anymore. This is, um, this is, these are the greatest group of truly um, grounded spiritual leader, uh, women of God, men of God, the best of the best of the best of the best. With everything in me, I wanted to start a church planting organization. I wanted to, I was going to. When I saw what the Ark was doing years ago, I said, there's no way I could ever do something better than that. Let's just join what they're doing. And so for the last, I don't know how many years, I've done the best I can as a friend, both personally, financially, and then as a mentor, cheering them along. Uh, if you're looking for the tribe, this is the best of the best of the best of the best. I believe with all my heart um, in the integrity of the leaders, in the passion, just in the, uh, the spiritual equipping of leaders. What we can do through this room all over the world is important to God and it really does matter. And so it's just a true honor to, um, to be a friend of ARC, to invest in it, and um, to, to push along what's happening through your churches. What I wanna do in our next few minutes together is um, I wanna talk about the life of the Apostle Paul, who is perhaps the greatest church planner in the history of the world. Um, I wanna look at some verses. My key verse will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And what I hope to do is uh, leave a deposit that will build a little bit of faith inside of you to endure what is certain to come. I'm gonna be real transparent with you. I'll, I'll maybe uh, be a little bit more real than what you might expect, but I hope that it will land in a way that does something in you. Uh, to be real honest with you, so much of my life, I've been under the illusion that there's something around the corner that matters a lot more than what's going on in my life today. 
uh, in a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, there's gonna be that something that's gonna make a difference in my life that's going to bring the fulfillment that I crave, that's gonna fill that empty spot that I often feel in my soul. I can go all the way back even before I was a church planter. I was serving as an associate pastor at First United Methodist Church, downtown Oklahoma City, where we had robes and thrones and did the Apostles' Creed, and it was amazing. And I kept thinking one day, um, I was in full-time ministry and I was in full-time cemetery, full, uh, full seminary <laughs> doing my degree. And I thought to myself, when I'm out of seminary and couldn't just focus on ministering to people, then life is going to be amazing and I'll feel fulfilled. Once I was out of seminary and just doing full-time ministry, I thought if only I could lead my own church and do things the way I want to, then it'll be amazing that emptiness will be gone. There'll be something meaning and fulfilling. I started my own church and then I thought, if only I could have a staff member, someone else who cared, someone else who was in this like I was in it. If only we could have a real building, a real building with air conditioner, then it was, if only we could have a church van. You're not a real church until you have a church van. So the kids can play truth or dare and make out in the back of the van on the way to kids camp. <laughs> only we had a church van. In my family life, it was, you know, uh, if only I was married. Then like when we have our first kid, then we had six kids. People always say, do you know what causes that? We always say, yes, we do. And we're unwilling to give it up. And all God's people said, amen. 28 years, my wife won't leave me alone. Just keep your hands off me, I'm tired. I'm, leave me alone. Not a piece of meat, I'm a person. I've got a heart, I've got a soul. I tell her all the time, I just wanna hold you. I just wanna, I just, I just wanna talk. If only we could have six kids, if only we can get them out of diapers, if only we can get them through braces, if only we can get them out of college, that's where we are right now. If only we can get them out of college. And the list goes on and on and on. So many years, wishing away the current season, believing that there would be something better coming in the next. One day, just around the corner, there's gonna be something, I don't know what it is, but it's gonna be that achievement, that friendship, that vacation, that book deal, that attendance number, that whatever on Instagram or finally moves somewhere like Pastor Stephen Furtick, we all love and hate. You know, whatever it is, <laughs> it's gonna happen one day. But around the corner, there was always another perceived goal, another yet to be achieved dream, another challenge, something else around the corner. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I'll start there for just a moment, uh, the Apostle Paul, he says this, and you know it, whatever you do, somebody say, whatever you do. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. 
What has taken me a long time to start to recognize, and I'm not fully there yet, but I'm trying to get my mind around it, is that the prize isn't something out there. In other words, the prize isn't something that we accomplish occasionally, but the prize is in what we do daily. Whatever you do, today, now, at this moment, in this season, at this time, for his glory, today, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The three questions I continue to ask myself over and over and over again, trying to get this in my soul would be these questions. What if the work is the reward? What if the prize is in the process? What if you can be grateful in the grind? Again and again and again. What if the work is a reward? What if the prize is right now in the process? What if you can truly be grateful when whatever you do today, you're doing it for the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 15, nine and 10, Paul said this, and I can't tell you how these words impacted me. I've read them who knows how many times, but recently they've been reading me. Scripture says this, Paul said, for I am the least of the apostles and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. I did all sorts of bad stuff. He said, I persecuted the church of God. Then he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not very good. I made a lot of mistakes, but by the grace of God, not because of my goodness, but because of his goodness, by his grace, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Then he says seven little words. He says, no. And then he says, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. In other words, I'm not enough, but his grace was enough. I didn't deserve it, but he did something in me anyway. I was very, very far from God, but his grace drew me in. And then he says those seven words. I worked harder than all of them. I hope and I pray that if you don't feel that way one day, you feel the joy of feeling that in the future. You feel the joy of being able to say, I worked harder than all of them. I cannot even imagine the depths of sacrifices contained in those seven words from the Apostle Paul. Here's the way it comes across to me. It sounds to me like it's just real matter of fact. Like he's not complaining. He's not bragging. He's just stating the truth. I would like to imagine sitting across the Apostle Paul, maybe at a campfire late at night. If it were possible, he's drinking his wine. I'm drinking water because I don't drink, but his is non-alcoholic wine because we know that Jesus changed water into non-alcoholic wine. And, you know, and, and everybody else is, is out for the evening and Paul's loosening up and we're kind of talking together. And I can only imagine what he says when we kind of get him, you know, in that moment where he's finally grooving and we're being real. So tell me the truth. Come on, tell me what you brought, what it cost you. What'd you do that other people wouldn't understand? 
What were those private sacrifices? What were those things that you were doing when nobody else was looking that led to the things that everybody else wants? And I can just kind of imagine and say, well, you know, while a lot of people were sleeping, you know, I was, I was strategizing daily, seeking God and, and, and taking notes. When, when other people idolized comfort, safety, security, I was willing to be beaten again and again, shipwrecked, snake bitten, stoned. And I'm not talking about recreationally speaking because I know that there are those of you from many different parts of the country and backgrounds and entertainment preferences. I just thought I'd tell you that. You can imagine him saying something like, you know what, when other people took shortcuts, I, I tried to stay on the right path. Day in, day out, I was willing to do the hard work. I memorized God's word. Then he might have said humbly, I wrote a big portion of it, I don't know. <laughs> I worked while I was in prison. You know what, me and, me and my buddies, we started churches in towns where there wasn't a single follower of Christ. We'd come into town, we'd preach, we'd get beaten, we'd get run out of town, we'd come back in and we'd love and we'd love and we'd preach and we'd preach and we'd lead someone to Christ, we'd raise them up and we'd start churches. He wasn't wishing life away. He didn't appear to wait for some other season or wallow that he wasn't where he wanted to be. When he was in prison, he didn't say, when I finally get out, then I'm gonna make a difference. He just wrote the book of Philippians. <laughs> when he was shipwrecked, he didn't say, forget God. Why didn't God bring my blessing in? When Barnabas left him, he didn't have time to get bitter. I'm leaving the church. These Christians are so mean, I can't stand it anymore. Whatever he did, it looks like he was doing for the glory of God. Whatever you do today, you're changing diapers, you're making sales calls, you're doing laundry, you're reaching out, doing the best you can to scrap anything together to start a core group of people and maybe launch a life-giving church. You do it all for the glory of God. What if in your life right now, the work is the reward? What if the prize is in the process? What if in the middle of you working harder than you could ever imagine, you can be grateful in the middle of the grind? I'll give you what in my life are the three enemies of the true reward, the three enemies. The first one is the pillow, the seduction of comfort. I um, am embarrassed to tell you, but there's a really big part of me that just wants more stuff from this world. A better house, nicer car, a um, more luxurious trip, enough money so I don't have to worry, take life easy. The problem is God never called us to easy. He never called us to easy. The comfort and the blessings of this world, they are comfort and they are blessings, but they are not something that we need from God to do what God calls us to do. 
I'm almost afraid that in some Christian circles now we're glorifying comfort and seeking easy. Easy never changed the world. The pillow, the seduction of comfort. There's also the shiny thing, the shiny thing, the allure of constant distractions. Pastor Chris made me sound like I'm a great saint. I have a hard time praying for 10 minutes straight. I start praying, and the next thing you know, I'm thinking about what's gotta be done. Shiny thing, bird, distractions. I can be so up into the spirit, and then I get on Instagram, and suddenly something happens in me that isn't pleasant, pleasing, or honoring to God. Comparing is the thief of joy. Shiny thing. There's another gig, there's another place, there's another level, there's another standard, there's something else out there. The grass is always greener somewhere else. If the grass is always greener, pastor, maybe you ought to water your own yard. What if the work is the reward? And then finally, there's the towel, the perpetual temptation to quit on something. Not making a difference the way I want to. I'm trying to get out of debt. I can't get out of debt. I, I don't know why this thing's not growing. I'm not even sure if I believe in God anymore. They didn't appreciate me. Forget them. Not making any progress. I'm not making a difference. This is just too hard. This is too hard. The towel. You can throw in the towel. You can use it to wipe your face. Get back in the battle and engage as you've been called to engage. The enemies are the true reward. At um, graduation speeches, I don't know if you've ever gone to um, some of those recently. I've got like everybody in my life is graduating from something right now. My 18-year-old uh, my son graduates tomorrow from homeschool. He is uh, valedictorian. <laughs> Every single one of my homeschool kids have been valedictorian. They're all first in the class. It's amazing. They, there's always those, uh, those graduation speeches where the person gets up there and says, follow your passion. Follow your heart. Follow your passion. I just want to stand up and say, sometimes your passion doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> right? Don't, don't you want to every now and then just scream, no, purpose over passion. Purpose. Once you recognize you're serving God's purpose, passion seems to follow. What I wanna do is I wanna be so consumed with passion that I'm not living for myself, but I'm denying myself and God's calling, His mission is so overwhelming me that it's no longer about me but it's all about him. I think about the apostle Paul. He was a human being. When we read about him, we like kind of idolize him and canonize him and glorify him. He was a regular human being, just like the rest of us. He would have been passionate about something. He had some interest, some hobby, some weakness, some fleshly desire. It could have been like music. You know, I just want to write. I want someone to discover me on YouTube and like Justin Bieber, I'm gonna go beg, you know, whatever it is. It could be art. It could have been sports. You know, if he's living today, it could have been cars. He, he drove a Honda Accord because all the disciples were gathered in one Accord, hashtag dad joke, you know. He would have been passionate about something 
But I can guarantee you what he was not passionate about was being beaten and left for dead. I mean, like, think about this. What do we whine about? Somebody tweeted at me, ministry's so hard. They tweeted, they're so mean. Tweet back. Here's what I would say if I could. No, think about left for dead. Left for dead, like, is he gonna live? Is he gonna die? I don't know. Purpose. 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 There are profound images of what purpose propelled Paul. Boy, I can't believe I'm saying all these Ps. It's just coming. It's just flowing. I feel feel the Holy Ghost. Okay. (laughs) I can't even say it again. I lost my place. It was so powerful. It it, it, (laughs) is... I can get it, I can get it. Just work with me, I can get it. Someone's gonna feel it over here, Pastor Chris. It, 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 I can feel it. There is profound images of what purpose propelled the Apostle Paul to endure. There it was. If I could have had a P1 on the end, we might have had a revival and the rapture would have come. Think, no, think, think about, think about some of the things that he said that were born out of purpose, not his own passions. I don't run aimlessly, I'm not shadow boxing, I'm running with purpose in every step. This step, this step, this moment, this moment, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do at this moment, at this time, in this place, for his glory purpose in every step. I beat my body. I make it my slave. So I will not be disqualified. I'm running for the prize. Even if I'm being, look at this image, poured out like a drink offering. In other words, my impending death will not be my greatest sacrifice, but in view of God's mercy, I offer my body today as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Instead of pursuing a selfish passion, there's a selfless purpose. Whatever I do in this moment is for his glory. I love Acts 20, 24, if I have a life verse, this is the one I want to live that I don't always live. I strive to live it. I beg him to help me to live it. Paul said this. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Think about that, live in it, embrace it. Not what they think, not what I do on earth, not how much money I make, not how many people celebrate me, not how big the numbers are, not how many followers I have, not the popularity, not, not, not the applause of people. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I can finish his race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And what is that task? With everything in me, it's testifying to the good news of God's grace. It's purpose, it's purpose, it's purpose, it's purpose. Purpose helps me feel passion about ordinary things. Suddenly something mundane, something Ordinary takes on meaning. You're making the phone calls. You're reaching out to people. You're dealing with the crazy church lady and there's one at your church. And if there's not, she's coming because it's ordained by God for them to be one in every single church. If you strike her down, the devil will raise up two in her place. She's there and she's coming for you. 
You're, you're, you're doing the ordinary every day. You know what I'm talking about. And, and suddenly something mundane takes on significant meaning. I've got these little jars in my office now and they're just to help me, they're just little buckets. And, and one of them just says a meaningful conversation. Every day I slow down enough to say, I just made a deposit in someone relationally or they made a deposit in me. I'm putting something in there to recognize. We just did something for the glory of God. Um, extravagant generosity. I'm at the point in my life right now where I cannot receive anymore without giving extravagantly. And every time I make a sacrifice, whatever that is to me in that moment, I put a little penny in, a penny in that jar. Um, for me, a moment of spontaneity. My life is so scheduled out. When I break off the routine and say, uh, the Holy Spirit prompted me or I'm just doing this just because I can. This is a moment, this, this I'm recognizing is for the glory of God, whatever you do. You're driving kids all over town. You're, you're prepping for grad school. You're fighting for your marriage. You're diving in in this moment, you're doing it for the glory of God. You're loving and standing by your spouse when you cannot conceive. You're not waiting for that child in the future, you're loving and embracing God's plan today. It's not when you start the church, when you break 100, when you break 300, when you break 500, when you break 1,000, when you break 2,000, when you have three campuses. Listen, you will never succeed your way out of the emptiness in your soul until you find joy in the moment with Jesus today. When you feel called to something more, but you're stuck in a job you don't love, you show up and do it with excellence for the glory of God. When you're healing from a crushing disappointment, when you're loving people who have been very cruel to you, and you're doing the best you can to turn the other cheek and continue to show back up and be led by the Spirit, you do it for the glory of God. When you're battling cancer, not waiting to be cured in the future. You're serving Jesus faithfully today. When you're preparing your sermon like you're gonna to preach to thousands and you know there's only gonna be dozens show up, you prepare like it's the last message you'll ever preach and like all eternity rests on the words you say. You do it all for the glory of God. Listen to me, I promise you this. The prize is not out there somewhere. It's not in what you accomplish occasionally. It's in what you do daily. The prize isn't the promotion, the new level of followers, the new car getting discovered, adding a campus, making more money, whatever it is. You do it all for the glory of God. For me, one of the most significant things I have is this. I've got a bunch of these. Back in about 2005 or so, I started collecting pins. I didn't even like pins. But there was a um, well-known Christian leader who sent me a pen with a handwritten note that was written with the pen that he sent me. And he said, this pen represents a year of faithfulness. He sent it to me at the end of the year. And he said, this year you chose to serve Jesus faithfully. You loved and honored him by honoring his bride, the church. You were faithful to your wife. You led with financial integrity. 
You're fighting to remain humble. You're faithfully preaching God's word. This pen represents a year of serving Jesus faithfully. Had my name on it in the year 2005. But that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. 2006, I got another one. And it meant a little bit more to me. 2007, I got another one. And suddenly I realized I am collecting pens. Because what this represents to me is not a year's worth of accomplishments, but 365 days of choosing to faithfully serve Jesus. I'm not gonna tell you this next part to be um, a downer, but I'm gonna tell you this because it's true. I met this person that I hadn't met before after receiving pins for maybe eight or nine years. And I said, you have no idea what this means to me. You have no idea how much I look forward to this, how, 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 how I visualize in those times when I'm tempted to get off track. No, 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 I'm living for Jesus today. This represents that to me. I said, how many people do you send these to? And he said, well, honestly, um, quite a few, but not as many as I used to. And he says, every year I send two or three fewer than the year before. And I said, so, he said, exactly. Burnout, moral failure, and the list goes on and on and on. And each year he said, I send out a few less than the year before. The lure of the pillow, comfort, the luxuries of this world, they pull on me every single day. The shiny things, he's got and she's got and I'm not and why not and blah, 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 blah. Listen, I promise you this, you can be the pastor of the biggest church in America and still feel insecure and want more. Promise you, you can't succeed your way out of it. That they don't appreciate me, that why do I do this? The perpetual temptation to quit. What I pray that you'll do is that when you wake up in the morning, you wake up with faith that what you do today matters. Doesn't matter if it's little, doesn't matter if it's big, it matters because of who you're doing it for. You're doing it because of the purpose that God put in your heart. You are doing it for the glory of God. When you wake up, may all of hell tremble because you're waking up with purpose, with a calling, with a mission. When you go to bed at the end of the day, May you fall on your pillow, knowing that you left it all on the field, holding nothing back, leaving it all, sacrificing, running with purpose in every step. You beat your body, you make it your slave. Your life doesn't count for anything. You only want to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to you. I don't know about you, but I am not worthy. I am not good enough, but the grace of God in me was not without effect. He enables me, he sustains me, he calls me, he overcomes my fleshly weaknesses. And I can tell you right now, it hurts all the time, but I will tell you, not complaining and not bragging. I worked harder than all of them. 
with joy in my heart for the one who gave it all this day, this moment, this place, this time, this relationship, this sermon, this private act of sacrifice. All for the glory of God. If you'll just remain standing for a moment, I wanna just declare this over you. Who are you, who are you, who are you? You are the masterpiece of God, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works with our God prepared in advance for you to do. Therefore, you're running your race with purpose in every step. Because eternity matters, you will run hard, giving him your all every day. No regrets, no excuses, holding nothing back. By his power, you will leave no words unsaid, no deeds undone, no hope unshared. Your faith, it moves mountains. Your prayers calm storms. Your words give life. Your hands bring healing. Your feet deliver the good news that Christ is risen and he is coming again for his church because Christ is coming. You will not back down. You will not be pushed around and you will not sell out. Your life is too valuable. You're calling too great to waste your life on things that do not last. What are you? You're empowered by God's Spirit. You're trained by His Word. You've been tried by fire. Trials will not stop you. People cannot break you. Money cannot buy you. Haters cannot silence you. Demons cannot defeat you. Why? Because you are not your own and earth is not your home. You will live for the glory of God and not for the applause of men. I don't know about you, but I plan to work harder than all of them. And I'm not complaining about it and I'm not bragging about it. I'm just stating a fact. Because the grace of God was not without effect in me. And my only reasonable response is to wake up with purpose in my soul, passion in my heart, and direction for my life. Whatever I do, today, 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 is for the glory of God. The prize is not out there somewhere. The prize is in the process. The work is the reward. Consider my life worth nothing to me. The prize isn't what you do occasionally. The prize is what you do daily. Pastor, church planner, church leader, whatever you do today, do it all for the glory of the one who gave it all for you. Would you lift your hearts, lift your voices, give him praise and give him honor for he is good.